Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have with us back on the podcast, Pastor Al Toledo. Pastor Al was with us probably about two years ago as we sat down and talked about DNA of, the lead, of a leader. I got to meet Pastor Al this summer in Columbus, Ohio. General Council, we were there. And, you know, when you meet somebody on Zoom, everybody is pretty much the same, same height on Zoom. And when I got to sit down, or not sit down, I met him, got to shake his hand and talk for a little bit with Pastor Al, I realized he's a lot taller than I am. And uh, he'll share a little about be, being a baseball player and he's a phenomenal athlete. And you can see when you meet him in person, that's that's very evident. But I, you know, on Zoom, everybody's the same height. And so I thought he was 5'10 like me, but he's not 5'10. And uh, just great meeting him in person. You know, we go through the DNA of the leader a lot in the Indian Ocean Basin for the people that I serve. We're going through it again now. Just learn a lot from Pastor Al. And you see him teaching and you see who he is. But then to get to meet him in person, realize that's, that's genuinely who he is. He loves Jesus with all his heart. He's passionately following him. He has this ability to hear um, God's um, voice. We'll talk about um, intercession today, intercessory prayer. His passion for prayer and intercession and leading God's people into God's presence is is just great, encouraging. So great time with Pastor Al. You will, you will not be disappointed with our, our time and our interview today with him and really appreciate him being back on the podcast. Do want to ask you to continue to listen in. 2024 is an exciting, exciting year on the, the Clarity Podcast. Great interviews. And I'm excited getting the finishing touches on my second book, A Caring Family, which should be launching sometime in May, June of 2024. Excited about that. That's a book that I wrote that I wish somebody, the conversations I wish I would have had when I was 20, 22 about the realities of family and parenting and what that looks like and intentional parenting and uh, looking forward to getting that out there and excited about that book and um, yeah, getting into the author space. So it's been, it's been fun. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Pastor Al Toledo on spiritual leadership. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have a second time on the podcast, Pastor Al Toledo. Um, I was saying before I hit record, I feel like I spend a lot more time with him than we actually do in person because we go through the DNA of the leader frequently, watch the videos, and um, it's been such a blessing to my wife, to our family, to those I get to serve um, in the Indian Ocean Basin. So Pastor Al, welcome to the podcast. And for those who weren't with us the first time, could you share a little bit about yourself before I start asking you some questions? Sure. Well, um, it's great to be back uh, back on the podcast, and uh, I, I I really love and appreciate and and respect you, my brother. So, thank you for having me. And um, so, a little bit about myself. I uh, um, we you know I met the Lord on a baseball field. I had a supernatural experience with God. When I was a kid many years ago, close to 40 years ago, and um, had the good, um, the providential blessing of going, of living very close to a great church called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And whenever people ask me my story, I always say that because mm. it was the leadership there that really impacted my life. Yeah. 
So um, the way they lived and went after God just um, it, it it so shaped and influenced the way I saw God and the way I went after God. And um, anyway, I ended up marrying the lead pastor's daughter. <laughs> and uh, we're going on 31 years now. And we have three children, five grandchildren. Um, but uh, at a, in over 21 years ago, um, after being in a variety of places, we planted the Chicago Tabernacle and just moved here to this city, this great city. I have a great burden for cities in America, especially, but all over the world. And um, we started from scratch, and the Lord began to build and bless. Uh, the, the church always revolved around what we call the most important meeting of the week, the prayer meeting. If anyone has taken DNA, they know that altar is the first base of private <laughs> health. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We push that, you know, front and center in front of our people and try to model that. And the Lord has blessed us over the years and provided miraculously. It's, it's all been the Lord. And uh, a year ago, we, through a series of miracles, um, we were blessed with two buildings in the city of Philadelphia. And now we've planted the Philadelphia Tabernacle. Very cool. Very, very cool. And so that's kind of uh, in brief. Yeah. We are today. I hope that covers it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm looking forward to our conversation today about being a a spiritual leader. And I think that's one of the things that, I mean, I've learned a lot from you, but going through the DNA, just the realities of what it, when we follow God and serving him, it's, it's, it's spiritual and the importance of like you said, the that first base of, of the altar and the importance of that. And so that kind of leads into my first question for you. You know, there's tons of resources out there for, for leadership. There's all kinds of leadership resources out there. But you do a phenomenal job of differentiating what it means to be a spiritual leader versus being a maybe a pop culture leadership or when we just talk about the leadership term. And you mentioned with at the Brooklyn tab, you, you shared about the, the pastors there and their, their leadership. So when you look at spiritual leadership versus leadership in, in a different realm, what, what differences do you see and what you think differentiates it? Well, I think that as missionaries, as ministers, pastors, um, um, the Bible is supposed to be our fundamental guide for life and leadership. And I say this to people especially young people all the time. Look, if you don't do it God's way, you might experience short-term gains, but you will eventually experience long-term losses and eternal uselessness. Wow. Because only what we do for Christ will last, and you got to do God's will God's way. Hmm. And the difference between... Um, biblical leadership or spiritual leadership was well, the, the key with spiritual leadership is that it has to be founded on the Bible versus um, interesting, clever, unique uh, leadership principles. One of the things that um, I, I think that this is a, a tension that we all grapple with throughout the years. I mean, this has never not been the case. Um, as a leader, you have to discern the difference between a biblical principle and your personal preferences. Hmm. And um, and you have to keep adapting your heart and your will and your ways 
even as time times change, you got to keep bending towards the biblical principle. The older you get, the more you want the old things that you used to do, but that's more based on the preference than the principle. Mm. The younger you are, the more you're attracted to new things that's based on a preference instead of a principle. And so um, I want to encourage everyone, when I go to make a decision, the first thing I'm trying to do is anchor myself with a biblical principle. If I can't anchor something with a Bible verse, I tend to feel like I'm not ready to make that decision. Wow. Wow. So, and then, and even when you get advice, um, uh, you're looking for that. I'm looking for anchors, but the anchors have to be in the word of God because if the Holy Spirit is leading you, he'll never go against his word. Yeah. Um, and so, so Pastor Al, someone's listening in, me being one of the listeners, that anchoring points, is that something that you, you develop over time? Is that somebody says, I want that, but I did, I'm trying to figure out where do I start on developing those anchors as you just shared? Well, I'm, I mean, again, I, I think that um, Christian leaders have to make a, a, a concerted effort to fill themselves with the word of God. And um, I, I encourage um, young leaders, um, and I still do this to this very day, I think that we need to full, be full of the New Testament because it's the New Covenant. Mm-hmm. But then um, I love the book of Proverbs. Okay. The book of Proverbs is just one verse, um, has so much eternal truth and application, and um, wisdom is a big deal. A lot of leaders can be very godly, um, but if you're not strong on the wisdom side, there's a wise way to do everything. And I can tell you from experience, I've done things for years and then somehow got the revelation to say, I can't believe <laughs> what a beanhead I've been for so long. <laughs> like, how did I miss this? Yeah. But that's the way it, wisdom is. You get the God angle and you're like, wow, this is transformational. And so I do think that it's something that you seek after. Proverbs chapter 2 talks about, like, like you got to pray for wisdom all the time. Hmm. And you've got to be someone who values wisdom when you hear it. And again, some people don't value wisdom as much because they're so set on their principles. Hmm. But if you just begin, look, I'm not that smart. Hmm. um, And this is not my ministry, wherever you are, if you're listening, it's not your ministry, it's the Lord's ministry. Yeah. Um, And God can show you how to do it if you just stay open. And God will keep downloading that wisdom that you need. Excellent. And so a lot of the people listening in, we're seeing it more in missions. Um, People that are coming into, going to the the mission field, going to a a different place to share the gospel are coming from different fields. They're coming from a business field. They're coming from a healthcare field, these other fields. And then they come into a space where they bring those leadership principles from those areas, but the reality of being on the front lines, and I've seen it over 22 years on the field, people would say, you know what, when I was serving in the military, the spiritual aspect, I, I was a Christian. But I didn't feel this the challenges I'm having because I'm here to share the gospel and there's this tension. Or somebody, uh, a doctor uh, I knew, came to the field and he said, you know what, I, I, 
took care of patients all the time. They knew I was a Christian. But now that I'm on the field, I'm facing these spiritual realities that I never faced before. Have you seen that in any wisdom on somebody that maybe is bumping up against that? They've come from a, I don't say secular sacred divide, but they're coming from a space where it wasn't necessarily proclaiming the gospel as the sole source of being there. And then all of a sudden they come up with him bumping that reality of being a spiritual leader. Um, Does that make sense? Yes, I I think I understand what you're saying. And so here's what I would, um, uh, this is where I would encourage that brother or sister. First of all, Jesus holds holds the keys to every community, every context. And and he can give you those keys. Mm -hmm. So God can show you. The other thing is, is that um, in any kind of, uh, apostolic kind of you've been sent missionary context, every evangelistic context, um, you begin with a limited, most often you begin with a limited latitude. Okay. And so you have to, you know, start within the context and build relationships um, without um, uh, without forfeiting your your personal um, frameworks of who you are in God. And little by little, you start to build influence that reaches into your new context. Okay. And so, uh, like, look, we, we just started a church in Philadelphia, and it's a completely different city. The people process differently, and we're learning how to win their hearts. We're preaching the gospel. Yeah. Um, but it's a whole new environment, whole new culture. And over time, the Spirit of God will give you the keys to people's hearts so that you can become fully you. Hmm. So you, you, you need to be sensitive to the latitude that you have, but know that what you're experiencing today does not define tomorrow. Hmm. Over time, God will break through for you. And you need to take the ground that you can take and then chip away at the ground that right now, at those spaces that are not available, God will show you one day, he'll hand you the keys and it'll open right up for you. I hope that answers the question. No, it does, for, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah it's that's, a, where, that's where intercessory prayer hmm. is a, just a big deal in what hmm. we do hmm. because you're pounding against you, you know, we're called to be stronghold breakers. Yeah. And so you're pounding against these strongholds in the spirit realm. And then one day it just releases. So Pastor Al, somebody's listening in and um, we have different people from different denominations, different backgrounds. So intercessory prayer, when you share that, could you just uh, just share a little bit more about that? Um, what that means to you and how you've seen that make an impact? Well, You know, Jesus, um, first of all, when you are participating in intercessory prayer, you're acting like Jesus because the Bible says after he rose from the dead that he lives to intercede. Hmm. Okay. And so when people come to our prayer meeting and and we hand them prayer cards and say, you're about to start praying for someone else, I'd say, look, you can't get more like Jesus than this moment because this is what he does. He intercedes for us. And so intercessory prayer is as part of the the um the priesthood of the believer 
intercessory prayer should be a very natural part of every believer's life, not just leaders, every single one of us. It should be natural for us to pray for other people. And intercessory prayer means, it means more than that you're praying for someone else, but it means like you're literally standing in the gap. You are okay. interceding. And so there's a time and a focus factor to intercessory prayer. And um, and that means that while you pray for yourself and your needs, you take the time to wrestle in the spirit realm for someone else's needs, something else in particular. And, um, and you know, the... The, um, the, the church history is filled with people who prayed through first. Okay. And so, um, and I, I, for me, when I pray through on something, it gives me peace when I don't, even when I don't see what I've prayed through on. Okay. Because, <laughs> and that's the way ministry is many times. You pray through first, you don't see it, but you know that faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. Hmm. Um, but when you break through in the spirit realm, when you've prayed through for something or situation, you know, sooner or later it's coming. And so um, I think that all of us should have these, like, for example, Philadelphia is a big source of <laughs> intercessory prayer for me. It's, Okay. It's so fraught with challenges. It's a new <laughs> frontier. The devil hates what we're doing. And uh, there's a people problems, financial problems, every kind of problem. It's like, whose idea was this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's why we're there. We're there to break through in the spirit realm. Yeah. And, so, and when you break through in the spirit realm, you know, sooner or later, you have breakthrough in every realm. That's a good word. And so. Good word. For young leaders that are listening into this, um, and young doesn't, it's not qualifying by age, but um, one of the questions that someone wanted me to ask you was this idea of being led by the Spirit. It's something that they want to grow in, in being led by the Spirit, and they just wanted to see if you could give them any wisdom and insight on practicalities of what it means learning to grow and trust and being led by the Spirit. You know, I, I think that's an excellent question. And um, I think that um, uh, I think it's something that we all need to think about very deeply, because okay. to be honest with you, um, especially in um, from our our bent, we believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and we believe in the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Um, we believe that the, the book of Acts was more than historical. It was doctrinal. It was teaching us. Yeah. Uh, in addition to all of the other passages in the, David's life, the way David heard from God and the way Abraham was led by God, these, were, these are the biblical examples showing us what's available to us as children of God. And so our expectations have to um, rise to the biblical level. Okay. Okay. Where God does speak to you. 
in Romans, it says, they that are son, the sons and daughters of God, they're led by the Spirit of God. You can hear from God. You can be led by God. Okay, so that's the first thing. Because if you're limited in your perspective on that, then you're going to be looking to hear from God in a very different way. Hmm. So number one, open up your perspective and realize God does speak even today. Yeah. Now, you don't get a, a phone call from him. You don't get a fax. <laughs> I think that that's the, 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 the real um, focus of the question. But I think that foundationally speaking, if you limit your expectations of hearing from God, then you're going to limit hearing from God, yeah. being led by God. So, but here's what I would say. Number one, there's no substitute for a personal prayer life. Um, and prayer is a two-way street. Okay. And the more you spend time in God's presence, um, the more you start to develop a sense of how God speaks to you. Okay. So leadership is, in a lot of ways, is um, this kind of experience base of you being led by God as you lead people, and then people trust you. And so you spend time in the presence of God, you spend time in the Word, and then you start to develop a, a sense of this is the way God speaks to you. God speak, I don't know how God speaks to you, Aaron. I know how He speaks to me. Yeah. And then based on that, um, that personal prayer life, um, then the next thing is this, is there has, there's no substitute for a, personal, uh, for a strong personal prayer life. There's also... No substitute for what I call courageous stewardship, hmm. because um, you've when God tells you to do something, if you're not open to do it, then He's not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and so it takes courage because because when you hear from God, I'm going to tell you what's on the other side of that steps of faith. Okay. You know, steps of faith. This is not about gaining information. <laughs> you know, this is about hearing from God and then following what he says. And that and that's your stewardship, but it takes great courage. Yeah. And so if you will courageously obey God, God will show you. Hmm. God will lead you, but you develop that. I I just, you know, I'm only saying this, I'm like a broken record about it, but I want to encourage people. Um, I can tell, at least for me, you know, the quality of my weeks are always based on the quality of my time with God. Okay. Plain and simple. And there's a comfort level, a confidence level, courage level that comes from time in the Lord's presence. Reading, worshiping, praying, reading, worshiping, praying, walking around just by myself in my robe. I get up early and that there's something about that time with him. Those those transactions that nobody can fully describe or understand. You know, if you go to meet him, he's going to go to meet you. Good word. You know, and then then being led will be it's a supernatural thing that happens in a very natural way you just go by the best light that you have hmm. that's a good word good word 
and DNA and the DNA of, of a leader training, um, you share about Samson and you, you touched on this a little bit earlier about Samson doing God's will, but in his own way. Um, yeah. How do we recognize that in our own lives when we're maybe doing something, we're doing God's will, but we're doing it the way Aaron Sandemeyer would want it to be done or, or fill in somebody else's name. So I, that, that's something that really jumped out. You know, we've been through, I think this is the fourth or fifth time we've been through DNA of a leader. This time, this is the thing that one of the things that just jumped out to me. So I wanted to ask you about it. Well, um, you know, when you look at Samson's life, he accomplished great things, but he had lots of personal troubles because he did God's will, but he used carnal means. Hmm. And so, for example, um, he used the jawbone of a donkey to slay a thousand men. And, um, and you know what? He was supposed to conquer God's enemies. Yeah. But he was not supposed to touch anything that was dead. He was the Nazarite. Sure. And so um, he defiled himself. According to God, God set it up. You know, I don't know why God made him a Nazarite. That's not my business. <laughs> no, he was a Nazarite. And he could have he could have used a branch, he could have used a lot of things, but not yeah. uh touch uh something that was dead. But yeah. he did anyway. And and so a lot of times we go for what's practical, we go for what's convenient. Um Saul, King Saul. Wanted to do something godly and offer the sacrifice before they went to war, and he went, got impatient, and then he's he took on the role of a priest when he was only a king, and it caused him trouble, and it yeah. does cause us trouble every time. Hmm. And so God's will must be done God's way. Hmm. And that kind of sensitivity and that kind of discipline is very, very important to all of us. Um, you know, when I, 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 from time to time, I might say my church and every time I say it, it bugs me because I, I'm like, you know, somebody at the church can say my church, but I don't like to say my church, Yeah, you know, because it's not my church Yeah, and I don't even like saying it because I just think it's a trap Yeah, to think that my life is not my own. And, um, so, so sometimes we get a God idea but we don't steward the God idea. We, we own the God idea. Hmm. You understand? It was God's idea, but now it's our responsibility to do it God's way also. Yeah. You know? And so I, we, uh, Samson's responsibility was to steward God's idea, God's will. Yeah. All the way through. Okay. And how many ministries do you see in God have mercy on all of us? Right, that they get a God idea, but then it becomes um, something else, you know, because it's God stopped being the owner of all, of all of it. Pragmatic, practical, and then you go, man, what a shame that was. It started out so powerful. Yeah. So, um, you know, starting well is great, but ending well is better. <laughs> Uh, for for sure and um it's uh i think that finishing well is at least for me i'm a, i can start 
Um, I start a lot of things. I got a lot of, I'm like a squirrel. I got a lot of good ideas. I can chase a lot of things, but that, but that finishing out, I agree with you is, um, and we see it over and over again. And I think that's the, you recognize the, um, that we are being God's steward. You mentioned about sharing about, um, saying my church, I don't like to say my people or the, you know, my team or those things. I say the people I serve or the team that I serve, because the reality of it is they're not mine. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not my, but they're, they're God's people on God's mission. Um, and I just have the honor of serving them in the process. So that, that resonated with me when you, and it, it's great to love them like that, but yeah. I'm just, you know, I don't want to, but it's true. It's yeah. true. There's something about it. You say it long enough, you start to believe it. And, and, and believe it. And then I think you, you begin to act like you own, you know what I mean? You begin to put yourself in places that, you know, it becomes, I think more, you talk in DNA about kind of putting, um, putting yourself in the center rather than God in the center. And um, yeah. I think it, in my, for myself, my language helps shape the way I do things. And if I say it long enough, I begin to take liberties that are really not mine to take. And um, just uh Inside the my head, which sometimes is a little fuzzy, but anyway, two two quotes I want to ask you about um, in DNA. You share that that I've thought about a lot lately. Any mission without an altar will ultimately lead to ambition, and great resources without an altar will lead to a spiritless organization and weakened individuals. And that kind of circles kind of what we've been talking about. Would you share more about those that idea that any mission without an altar will ultimately lead to ambition? Let's do that one first. So the how does the kind of a, go, sorry, that's an extension of what we were just talking about? Yeah. yeah. Because we get the so Samson gets the mission. Yeah. Father gets he literally asks the dad literally asked the angel, what will be his mission? I believe in the ESV, which yeah. is pretty What's his mission? Yeah. He gets the mission, you know, but then his life is fraught with so much hardship and sadness. Um, you know, uh, when you think about the life of Samson, it's when you look at the book of Judges, um, you look at what men do, but what's even greater is what God does because you see the incredible mercy of God, mm. you know, um, but like Samson was always stepping into trouble because um, his ambition took over after he got the mission. Okay. But a true prayer life, here's how you know you're really meeting with God. Um, Andrew Murray <laughs> said, <laughs> Andrew Murray said, um, uh, uh, I think it was, I, I want to get this right. Humility is the beauty and bloom of holiness. Hmm. I think that's the way he said it. And so when you're really in the presence of God, it, it just humbles you. Okay. You know, because of his holiness. And so um, when you get this God idea, if you're really praying, uh, then it keeps you submitted. It keeps you um, in a posture of surrender. And so that it can't, run off the rails on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, and that's why a mission, look, a mission is powerful in any context on the planet. A powerful mission, a powerful vision will galvanize people. I mean, we see the Tower of Babel 
they had this powerful thing. Look at what was going on. I mean, yeah. even God went down there and said, I got to stop this. <laughs> yeah. But it was built on human ambition, not the glory mm. of God. Hmm. So it's possible, again, to get a God idea, God idea, but at the end of it, it's not for the glory of God, it's for the glory of man. And that's when things get derailed. So you got to keep praying. And then um, great resources without an altar lead to spiritless organization and weaken individuals. Here's the thing about great resources. Um, great resources can make us comfortable and carnal if we're not praying. Wow. And here's the thing. It's easier to be godly in lean seasons than in fat seasons. <laughs> because when things are lean, you're desperate, you're depending on God, and you're like, Jesus, I need you every, every moment <laughs> of the day, right? But then when things are good, you know, when God begins, I feel like um, stewardship is much harder when you have a lot than when you have a little. Hmm. Can you share more about that? Yeah, because because when you have a lot, then um, it's easy to be less dependent and um, and less mindful of the concept of stewardship. You know, we we started with a handful of people and, you know, post-COVID, we were well over a couple thousand people. Yeah. And it's funny how... Uh, man, we were, I, I was folding bulletins and I was like, you know, every little thing I was in the middle of it and I was trying to preserve it. And now we just order things, you know, and then you see things lying around and you're like, Hey, you know, why is this lying around? You know, this costs money. And, 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 and people start to lose the, the sense of the goodness and the glory of God Mm. The more resources come, and mm. only the senior leader can actually preserve that culture of submission and honor to what God has done. Mm. If the senior leader loses it, I'm telling you right now, down the chain, everybody loses it. Mm. And so, and then things get very spiritless because when you have a lot of resources, you can do a lot of stuff, yeah. you know, but that doesn't mean that God isn't. And so um, we want God in the things that we're doing. And, uh, uh, and you know, it's, it's funny because at least like in the state of Illinois, uh, it's not funny. It's sad. There's like two churches here that were iconic and like nation influencing and they're both practically empty hmm. for, for the very reason that I'm talking about right now. Hmm. You know what I mean? And these were these mega influences on the, on the, you know, on the big stage yeah. of our country, big examples, writing books, this, that. And then in the last, you know, 24 months, 36 months that crumbled to the point where like just close buildings, close this, close that because they, they garnered lots of resources, but they gravitated towards being a spiritless organization. Wow. And so, yeah. Is it, is it easier to move that direction? I mean, how do, how do we get, 
did the resources let us drift towards the spiritless organs? Because we start out, you mean, you, we've talked, we've kind of circled around this again, but we start out with, on a mission, we start out with that calling, but how to, because I don't think anybody wakes up and decides that's where they want to be. You know, I want to wake up as a spiritless organization, but but they're ending up there. Any more thoughts on that? Well, again, I, I think that um, a leader's private health everything so um i'm actually um trying to write uh um almost halfway done trying to write a book for men okay and um and the first book is all about you know like the practical applications of because dna is so foundational structural framework so i'm trying to write a book about practical applications of what does it take to be um privately strong and healthy yeah you know and um if you don't take the time to actually do the things that make you privately healthy and here's a simple way that i say it in the book is if you don't attach deeply and private then you don't flow by the spirit in public John chapter 15, John chapter 15, I'm sorry, John chapter 15 describes this, you attach in private, right? You abide in him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then 10, 15 verses down the, down the whole explanation, you know, then he says, um, uh, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Fruit is a public thing. The tree bears fruit not for itself, but for other people to come and be nourished. Yeah. So you attach in private. You flow in public. But people lose the flow in public. And people can't even tell sometimes that you've lost your flow in public because there's so much resource around. Yeah. The resources are holding things up more than the flow of the Holy wow. Spirit. And so, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So I've asked you a lot of questions about spiritual leadership and what it means to be a spiritual leader. And um, I wanted to throw in there, what does it look like to be a healthy spiritual follower? Um, yeah, and how do, how do followers support or encourage or stand alongside? I don't know what kind of other words you'd like to use on there, alongside of a spiritual leader. Yeah, I think that that's a, um, it, fundamentally, it's a simple question, though there's a simple answer because um, Jesus modeled it and he taught this. A healthy follower is a follower who has the heart of a servant. An unhealthy follower doesn't. Okay. So a healthy follower isn't competing, isn't looking for credit. They just want to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Hmm. Now, and honestly, like I see myself primarily as a healthy follower. Okay. And I think that all of us, we need to be healthy followers. And even, you know, when I go into the office sometimes, uh, I've got six, seven pastors now, and they handle a lot more of the day-to-day -day than I do. Yeah. And so when I'm in the room and, and one of them has the floor, so to speak— at that point, I see myself as a follower. Like, what can I do to serve yeah. what is going on here? 
Hmm. Not as a leader. Now they might turn the moment and say, "What do you think, Pastor?" And then, okay, now I become the leader. But, yeah. um, but in principle, we're all followers. Okay. And um, and a follower is not in competition at, uh, with with anyone. A follower is um, not um, trying to prove himself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel that I, I think it's the social media kind of phenomenon that, you know, when kids started self-publishing, people are self-publishing all the time. Yeah. And consequently, there's this mindset like I always have heard. I always have to be seen. And that is contrary to being a servant. Hmm. So um, the servant serves, you know, the servant, um, the people talk at the table and the servant gives out the food. Yeah. The people enjoy the food. This people, the servant takes away the plates. Hmm. Um, he's not heard. He's not seen. He's actually facilitating for other people to be blessed and to enjoy things. And that fundamental perspective will save all of us a thousand headaches yeah. and an angst on the inside. Because um, if you're not treated like somebody. Um, when you think you ought to be, if you feel like a follower, or like if you feel like a servant, you're like, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not just a servant anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, I, I do think that we need to do more follower training, like teaching on being a servant has really gone out of style, but it is helpful to the people under us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know? And, and and as you as you shared, it's for those that 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 are we're serving. But then I think even for leaders to understand that they're as you said, you shift and you're a follower, and you're you're there to serve. You're there to serve. I think sometimes we kind of get stuck in a certain thing and don't understand that we can, as you said, we're all followers in in aspects of it. And recognizing that's a role, it's not, it doesn't define us, but it's what God's called us to do. Um, but I think sometimes as leaders, I think we can get stuck in thinking, I'm a leader, I, I don't follow, and I don't necessarily serve anymore because I'm making the decision. So does that make sense? Perfect sense. You know, I, um, I get teased a little bit because I use too many sports analogies, but... No, use them away. Listen, Christianity is a team sport. Yeah, That's what it is. It's a team sport. It's a, it's a, you cannot win in the kingdom without a team. And I grew up playing baseball. And I'm telling you right now, you cannot, you can't play all nine positions, no matter how good you are. Um, and uh, you need a team. And if you, uh, when, a, when there's a really strong team and I played on tons of them, Actually, what happens is, is there's this flow of different people leading at different times, even in the course of one game. Hmm. And the team's ability to defer to someone else's leadership in a fluid kind of way, that is one of the signs of how strong the team is. And so, um, you know, there's a pastor on staff who he came as a kid in college. Literally, he was a kid in college. He's gotten married at our church. We dedicated his kids. Now he's on staff. And 
and uh, he was running um, uh, he was running our staff chapel, and uh, he said he's gonna he's to start praying over the leaders, and he, he prayed over me, and uh, I'm telling you, right at that moment, he laid hands on me. I I was I felt like I was under him. I felt like he was my pastor in that moment, mm. and it was powerful. I was like, wow, thank you. You know what I mean? But that's because the Holy Spirit, he moves among us. And when he puts his hand on somebody in the group, why don't we just follow him? Yeah. You know? And so, yeah. Good, good word. Pastor Al, it is always a joy to spend time with you. Um, will you pray for us today? Will you pray that um, for all of us that are people that are spiritual leaders, people that are spiritual followers, but just pray that, um, yeah, God's blessing and um, for each of us. Okay, Father, I, I thank you for this time, Lord, that we could focus on you, Jesus, and and on your word. And Lord, I thank you for Aaron, and I pray you bless him and his family and everything that concerns him. And Lord, I lift up for everyone, Lord, all of the missionaries, Lord, um, on the great continent of Africa. And God, I thank you for their choice to surrender to your call and to go. And God, I thank you that um, your abiding presence is there with them. And Lord, would you meet all of their needs according to your riches and glory? Lord, I pray if uh, any of them, Lord, finds themselves a little bit discouraged, God, would you give them grace to look up, oh God, and to see that you're as close as the mention of your name, God, would you give them um, a fresh revelation of your nearness, of the fact that they are surrounded by you, of the fact that that provision is always possible no matter what they're facing. Your provision is always possible. God, that your wisdom is always avail available, Lord. If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask. And God, I pray, Father, if any of them are under attack in the name of Jesus, Lord, we join our faith, O oh God, and we resist the enemy in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would block and thwart the plans of Satan over the lives of my brothers and sisters. I pray you protect their marriages, their children, God, and I pray that they would be like a mighty force, O oh God, a great power, O oh God, present in whatever uh, area you've placed them in, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would build your church, build your kingdom, Lord, not just in them, but through them, Father God. So, Lord, would you bless their hearts, O oh Lord, to be, O oh God, at peace in your presence. May every missionary, Lord, every leader, every follower know the peace of God. May they know the, the, the calm, the clarity and the confidence that comes from being in your presence. So minister to each and every one and use them mightily, Lord God. Let them be incredible representatives, O oh Lord, of, of you, Lord Jesus. So may they become privately healthy, Lord, and immensely, Lord, publicly fruitful. Thank you for this time. Amen.